There you go. There you go. See, I'm recording this on my computer, so it will be, um, you know, um, anyways, shall we get into it? It's two already, and there are people that have already requested to speak, and there's some heavy hitters in here. So, Pharaoh, um, I guess a general introduction would be, like, what is, how did the uh, exhibition come about? And hopefully Alexander Adams uh, will come on. I believe he's going to use his wife's account, so... Yeah, I, I can talk that, through that a little bit. So um, I think what's interesting about the uh, exhibition team is that it's come from a variety of sources. And I would say that no one person basically said, let's let's pull this together. It was a kind of a groundswell of, um, you know, three or four people clustering together all independently looking to do something and not finding their kind of... Um, individual avenues and just through connecting together through uh you know meeting through um this kind of vision of what we had pulled together um it kind of coalesced out of that and i'll, I'll give a couple of examples um uh, matthew stote you know who i would say really is one of the uh, kind of ch chief organizers oh yeah he has been He's been curating um, a group of uh, artists um, through through networking, through working with them. He often hosts um, like private, or not like semi-private um, sketching sessions. You know, he'll he'll go to some some of the kind of great um, museums you can find in England and invite people along. And from from that, he's been working away, I'd say, for the last three years to try and do something. So um, Stoke was kind of cultivating these people together. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, Alexander Adams has been on a really interesting tra trajectory as well, where, um, you know, he is he's <laughs> he's the oldest person among us, uh, the wisest. He, he is a kind of, uh, you know, uh, wizardly wise figure that we all look to. But you know, he's he's someone that has tried to break through into the establishment, and due to his, um, you know, views on the current academic scene, has been blackballed. He's he's been um, kind of banned. He's been locked out of those different areas. Um, but he independently has always been looking to, uh, you know, do his own show or to connect with other artists. And then I'd say that the, the kind of one of the, the third. Uh, prong was of course um, the the man, the human steam train that is Fender Villiers, who has been um, pulling stuff together. He's been um, you know forging his own path independently, but has also been networking with other people. And I would say that we're, I, I can see marks um, uh, in, in the chat. It was in the pub, in, in a kind of like a pre preview of. Uh, one of the uh, IM meetups that Fen, Stoke, and myself got together, and we were chatting and saying we should do, we should pull something together and we should do something, and then you know we had a a chat later with Alexander Adams, and I, I would say that's when the first ideas came together. I would say for, for my sins, my, my job has been trying to produce some of the stuff. So again, like uh, the other guys are the big vision guys; they've got their kind of big ideas. I've been trying to uh, just help organise it, just try and get get the, the the nuts and bolts 
side of things. So that's kind of yeah. my, my role. But uh, no, I know that uh, uh, but... Matthew the Stout he he did, took another Twitter break to just organize all of um, the event. But when is the actual gallery? And maybe if you could make a tweet, Pharaoh, and put it up in the Titantron, you could share it. And also, Ben, please um, request to speak because I sent you an invite. But uh, Twitter spaces are <laughs> notoriously buggy. And eventually we will get on uh, other guests. Um, like I said, we have a lot of hard hitters in the space, a lot of uh, very amazing posters. And uh, we wanted to get into the purpose of this gallery, which has really been such a monumental feat to actually, you know, in, in the wake of other, I would say, less than savory attempts at this type of thing. I mean, shall I bring up um, LD50? I mean, maybe I shouldn't. But it's a really a monumental task to organize an actual like money in your mouth event when it comes to these things. So uh, we have Ben De Villiers now, and we also have Alexander. Adams. Hello. Oh, thank God! Thank God. Um, do you do you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah, I'll invite you to as a co-host, Ben. Um, okay, fantastic. Well, okay. good evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, or rather, good. Good evening from Alexander Adams. Oh, Alexander is here. Very good, very good. So maybe let's let me ask both of you. Um, how did this? I mean, Pharaoh talked about how this thing came together, but let me ask you both. I mean, both of you have artwork contributed in in the exhibition. Um, so when is it? Uh, how can people in the UK? Uh, where exactly is it? And how long is it going to run? And just give us a little bit of what it was like organizing this. Uh, I unfortunately cannot did not make the cup of the next one if it goes successfully. I will also be contributing artwork for the, you know, the exhibition too, uh, or at least, well, I've, I've written a blurb for it, but next, next one I will contribute um, artwork. But what was the experience like, and what are the pieces that you two have uh, contributed? Uh, ben, if you'd like to explain. <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, sure. Um, yes, yeah, so essentially, uh, it's, it, it's really for all of us, it's a sort of, um, uh, a very eclectic bringing together of works. We haven't been able to have the time to work on a series of subjects that is kind of um, uh, bound together as a team effort, but we are bringing a, a, a very eclectic series of works um, from our own, uh, you know, from our own uh, process and own practice. And we're pulling all of that together in this group show. So um, I'm bringing uh, one of my new new pieces uh which is going to be featured there it's a 60 centimeter tall um sculpture which is part of the new series so it's an opportunity for people to come and see uh just what's going on with um you know what direction my 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 sculpture is taking aesthetically uh but what i'm actually exploring now and moving forward um so i'm showing a small glimpse uh into that for this exhibition and then alongside that i'm bringing two other um, uh, works from my previous series, um, but I think they're very relevant um, to bring together. And in fact, um, the thing that's very exciting is that Stoat has uh, decided to create a work or two, I believe, that's actually in conversation uh, with 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 some of my work. So that's actually really exciting because that's that that's really the beginning of having a sort of aesthetic uh, dialogue which is something that artists did more so in the past, but where, you know, artists would come together and they would riff off one another's works. So that's, that's actually a really exciting thing that's taking place. Um, 
and I'm very I, like I, it's it, it might sound small, but this is actually quite a quite a big step. I I, I can't stress it enough actually that um, I've got I've got huge uh, sort of yeah. I mean, I, th th there's a lot on this show, even though it, even though it's 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 a small step, it's a humble step, but to be able to bring artists together now in this period where so many of us are sort of atomized to bring us together and start thinking aesthetically um, and, and, and really sort of joining forces is very, very exciting. Um, so, so, so yeah, I mean, this is, this is, it's, it's going to be happening in the center of London, uh, heart of London uh, exhibition. It's going to be going on for five days and um, it's the, the actual location won't be released until closer to the date. Uh, I think people understand why that might be. Um, but, um, but yeah, perhaps, uh, Alex would like to uh, say a little bit. Um, thank you, Fan. Um, yeah, really excited. Looking forward to this. I've got six oil paintings in the show and, um, yeah. And, um, they get, they've been, uh, beautifully framed as well. So I'm looking to see, looking forward to seeing them framed and on the wall. And, uh, this will be my first exhibition in London in, uh, I think 10 years or so. So this is this is going to be exciting. I think the last time I showed was um, it was back back at, uh, for some reason I, I managed to slip through and got into the Royal Academy Summer Exhibition um, for for one for one year only. They never let me back in. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is an exciting chance to show some work over the last few years. And uh, yeah, so this is a really nice location. Not gonna not gonna say where it is, but it's a it's a nice gallery in the centre of London and and the exhibition. Um, the, it's going to open to the public on the 4th of July, and that's the Tuesday, and it will be open every day, normal office hours, and I think it will be opening relatively late as well, so people can come after work hours as well, and that will be open until the Sunday. It's coming down on Sunday at sort of lunchtime or so, so if you come in on Sunday, try and get in relatively early. Uh, so anyway, looking forward to seeing some people at the uh, some people at the opening, and looking forward to getting lots of reactions and a lot of responses to actually seeing the work on the walls. I, th I think that's actually a really, a really good point actually as well is the interaction that we can begin to have with, you know, it's uh, of course on, on Twitter and everything, everyone wants to be anonymous and I get that. And we will remain, um, you know, we, we will have that anonymity for, for people at the exhibition and yeah. such. There yeah. won't, there won't be, there won't be uh, photographs and videos going around of everyone who's there. Um, because I do know a number of people don't don't want to be um, you know fully publicised on that, but I think it's a great opportunity for us to actually meet in person and discuss. Well, there is some and, anonymous artists as well that are a part of the gallery as well. So, yeah, that's right. That's absolutely correct. That's absolutely correct. Um, and they and they wish to remain anonymous. Um, but I think what what what's really exciting is that uh, for myself at least, I'm I'm very open to discussion and meeting with people, um, and really really having this. Uh, deep uh, discussion and, and analysis of aesthetics in our time and where we can begin to actually um, start stepping forward um, as artists, as, as a very early group forming, and also uh, reaching out to other artists. It's something that I really would like is to encourage other people who are making, who are you know painting, or even in just the most humble ways, come along, um, meet with us, discuss, show your work, um, I think this is an amazing opportunity um, to really make steps in this area. It, just, just on that a second, when we were originally talking about um, organising the exhibition, 
we had this vision of it being yes to kind of show work but to almost act like a bit of a lighthouse um for other artists as well you know especially for the kind of younger generation uh, and and for me um it, there was a moment where where fen was trying to he, he liked the the look of um this random artist's work he was like a uh, was he part of like the royal sculpting academy or something like that and we were trying to chase up what had happened to him um since he'd kind of posted this work on instagram like four, four years ago and it turned out he just like went into academia you know he abandoned his art to get a job as a teacher or something like that and i thought you know it's just such a shame uh i, I, th I think there's a huge number of people who are looking for a, a locus uh you know a point where they can kind of focus their creative energy and i think one of the aims is for this is this to be that moment yeah i think from my perspective having written about the gallery because of you know being shown the artwork and knowing pretty much everybody everybody involved writing a blurb but i think it will also appear in my future book hopefully out by next year on uh neoliberal kitsch um it is quite something one thing an issue that i i wrote about because for now, a lot of the pieces sort of are a proof of concept and don't and, and share some similarities in terms of the sort of appropriating different art styles of the past and, and wishing for a more healthier picture of life and so forth, especially Fenn's work, especially, um, you know, a lot of different people. Um, in fact, I think, like, uh, ironically enough, a lot of the uh, in terms of an artist that's an outlier would be probably <laughs> your work, Alex. Uh I think your work, you know, it stands the test of time. And we talked, we talked about it on, on my podcast, but one challenge that I wrote about in the blurb for it, that will hopefully appear in the pamphlet. If you actually physically go to the gallery is this sort of creation of maybe not a movement, but certainly a scene or a, a collective of artists across geography in the internet age. And the fact that we don't share the same, facticities or regionalisms or so forth and to try to sort of really you know create a collective that is based on the internet but also maybe eventually crossing over into you know for lack of a better term meat space but also to sort of share the sim similar sensibilities and you know for example the the discord server that you know me and matthew have been running for a long time that was the ground zero for this exhibition it's like, you know, we would, every, it's almost a daily thing. You know, you have a piece of art, you photo it, or um, you give a, you know, get ideas from people, you get critiques from people. Uh, you know, the online world, as much as you could say that it has alienated us and, and certainly has in some ways made an art movement proper and impossibility, it has aided in some ways the artist to sort of reach out to people that have similar sensibilities that maybe, you know, like here in Canada, like, I mean, I know that I'll never, uh, unless I make the uh, CBC art page of like, you know, far right, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not going to oh. happen for me, but you know, it's, it is what it is. But so maybe you can comment on coming together, you know, a lot of them, you know, some American artists are involved. Um, I believe a few Australian artists as well. And it's been quite a task to just ship everything over to the UK and Matthew framing it. Um, then I assume that you've had to pay quite a lot of uh, traveling fees for your sculptures. So maybe comment on the, the, the issue of geography when it comes to our movements nowadays in the 21st century in the digital age. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think um, 
as to, to sort of build on what you've said, of course, the internet, um, you know, we're all spread out across geography, but indeed, the internet is also an amazing thing. Twitter has been amazing for myself, um, jumping on relatively recently and growing a following and just finding so many uh, like-minded people who, you know, that my, my work resonates with, and that's that's fantastic. And I think other artists are beginning to find this as well. So although we're far apart, um, you know, with just a small amount of organization like we're doing now, we're able to have work shipped in from the States. We're having, we're able to have work shipped in from other parts of Europe. Um, and, and yeah, indeed, of course, moving sculpture around um, over to the UK is never easy, but I'm not bringing monumental stuff, at least not yet. Um, when we have a larger space, uh, I, I'd be very happy to bring over some uh, heavy uh, three or four ton uh, pieces, but definitely not for this show. Still, well, still they, early days. Well, I know you get this question. By the way, I have thrown up uh, Alexander Adams's pin tweet along with your video fed in the Titan Tron to see all the replays, all of the suplexes, all the finisher moves uh, <laughs> in the Titan Tron. Um, so, for those of you who are interested, who are in in Europe and the UK, um, but. This is one question that you've gotten specifically is that when is Ben de Villiers going to come to America? And if that's possibly, maybe you have to get like, uh, I don't know, some feel bucks or something to uh, cover the cost of you having a gallery in New York or something, uh, a show. <laughs> well, I mean, I definitely be very open for an exhibition or a collective, you know, if we could all come over and, and do a show somewhere in the States. But of course, it's finding you know, it, it's something that we've all discussed uh, quite deeply, actually, is this this concept of finding a support structure and a, and, and a backbone that can actually give um, give us a platform to begin even having these exhibitions. I mean, so, so much of the uh, exhibition and the art scene, at least from established galleries to institutions, so much of it is sewn up. Um, I mean, this is something that Alexander and I have spoken about quite in depth it, it's 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 really a very difficult period because of course so much of the uh, regime um uh, sort of you know re regime art of today uh, focuses on a very narrow spectrum so it doesn't allow for certain types of art to be displayed even art that is say um looking to uh, express a, a sort of a vital energy or or a certain power um very often my work would be considered to be too um powerful or masculine even which is which is kind of nuts when i say that but um th this is what's happened in the past i've been denied the ability to show my work so it doesn't fit within the trends of today and i don't think if, if you're not involved in the art scene many people don't actually realize just how uh, closed it is um, but it is something that alexander has written a number of books on um, and, and Alexander, perhaps you could say a little bit about this uh, because you've you've looked into this quite deeply, and you you're well aware of just how difficult it is to sort of uh, have the have the funding or the or the support uh, from, for example, the the Arts Council of the UK, for example. But perhaps you could say something about that, Alex. Yeah, I wanted Alex, and then I want to get Pharaoh's take. But Alex, uh, have you've been thoroughly cancelled? Uh, you're never going to appear. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't frame it that way. <laughs> it's so Jover for Alexander Adams in the Well, yeah. yeah so I, I have I've written a lot of articles. Um, the, the most recent art, most recent um, was a pamphlet called uh, "Abolish the Arts Council," which I think probably didn't endear me to the leading uh, funders of art, the patrons of 
British arts in the public sphere, which is the Arts Council, which is basically spending government money. Um, they're not going to be giving me any money in, in the near future. Um, so people are welcome to check out that pamphlet. But yeah, we, but this is a problem that also extends into the commercial art world as well. Because I've seen a lot of commercial galleries getting on the bandwagon of like um, BLM and eco, eco-alarmism. You know, every working as a critic, I I get to see all these um, press releases from not just public spaces but from um, commercial spaces, and I see all of these uh, common trends coming up. And you know that if you were making art that was um, in favour of the family, that was uh, critical of abortion, that was um, critical of uh, eco-alarmism, you would not get a slot in these commercial galleries. And that's quite alarming because these are supposedly the, the places where free speech flourishes and excellent flour- excellence flourishes apart from politics and so forth. But no, it's not the case. I, I always feel like um, commercial galleries now are looking over their shoulder at what's happening in the public sector and what's going on in the biennales, which are sort of a hybrid of public and private, which are sort of really toxic as far as politics are going. Um, and yeah, and I've recently heard about a group um, uh, of Liverpool artists and Manchester artists who set up their own show called Shuffle, which was um, uh, in opposition to the Liverpool Biennale, which is full of you know woke nonsense. And so they actually did their own exhibition uh, to kind of protest it, to, to show that they were doing independent work um, and that they had been excluded from the Biennale, which I don't favoured sort of international artists and so forth. And so that's the sort of action that we should be joining in and encouraging. And it'd be really positive to see that springing up all over the place. Uh, <clears throat> I guess kind of following on from what uh, Alex was saying, in, in the UK scene in particular, ACE, the Arts Council, probably like funds like ninety percent of all exhibitions that go on in the country. You know, it, they it's, fund it's, individual. It's, it's hundreds. It's hundreds of millions of pounds every year. Yeah, it, it, it's a, a, a substantial amount, and um, you just got to think it's run by the worst kind of boomers. Basically, this is this, this is the, the big issue. Is you you also mentioned about the summer exhibition as well. You know, that's where where you know it's technically an open open exhibition but again on on the uh mm. at the back of it it's a whole load of ra boomers ch- choosing their mates and stuff that they think resonates well with whatever cringe message they got f- for that year but kind of moving away from like the, the negative and you know this is the situation we're in um you know we're, we're not gonna uh, sorry sorry to say this alex with your pamphlet we're not going to take down ace you know, with our small group, but the, I think there are there is stuff we can do, and I, and I think um, you know so, so, something that both Fern and Alex were keen to do were to come up with a, these set of principles, um, outlining some of the kind of core ideology or thoughts behind um, all of our work, even though it was disparate. And I, th- I think in some ways the most important thing to do is to have. Um, a strong collective effort which goes against the grain i think that's the, i think ultimately it's the work is the most powerful testament to the failures of the academy and the and the current art scene and um you know this this is our first attempt at um taking them down through uh powerful uh, vital invigorating work 
Um, but we we need people to to back us up as well, and that's not just patrons, but it's also um, people going to the show, talking about it, like liking it. Uh, you know, like Fen said, kind of amplifying what we do as well. So even if you are just a a small guy listening in, you know, you can play your part as well. Yeah, you can now, you can signal boost us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I wanted to ask. Um, no. Oh, sorry, Fen. Sorry, really quickly though, the one practical question for for all three of you gentlemen would be: Do you anticipate criticism? Do you anticipate like? LD50 style protests, the way that uh, Daniel Miller faced them down. Do you anticipate being cancelled and having the Guardian ready to hit me something? Or do you think that this is more or less going to be just, you know, a fine art exhibition and it may have some mild criticism by, you know, the usual suspects, but what do you anticipate and, and what would you do to uh, stem the tide of any potential criticism? I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and answer this. I think, I think the, the most important thing to understand is that we are bringing art um full stop we're we're not here to uh get involved in playing uh the regime propaganda game um i think that would be a huge mistake i don't think you can i don't think you should be at all uh fighting the regime in 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 the sense of creating counter propaganda i i've seen many people uh mentioning uh on numerous occasions that all we need is an art scene or an art movement to come together and create counter artwork but I don't think that that is going to create particularly strong artwork because it will become contrived. I think at the end of the day, what, what needs to happen is there needs to be artists who are genuinely, um, who genuinely care about actually having, um, you know, an exhibition where we're not there to talk about politics. We're not there to be involved in politics. We're there to talk about culture and aesthetics and how we can, uh, really start making a push forward and creating an art movement that that is not based around pure reaction um you know it's 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 in my own practice I, i'm not i i've said regularly i'm not interested in politics I'm, I'm never really posting about politics i couldn't really care less because i think the most important thing to put our attention to now is is the culture because it that is the soul of a of, of, of a people it's the culture it's the art it's the music they listen to it's the poetry it's the writing that's what really counts i'm not interested in the, pe the, the petty politics and i think it would be a major mistake to be uh sort of positioning ourselves in that place and waiting for criticism and engaging with journalists who are going to try and um trap us into those kind of conversations that is it's actually not a conversation i even wish to have if a journalist was to approach me uh, or us on that it's really just about saying look we're trying to make an art scene here and we feel that it's time and we have also said collectively that we've sort of st stood by and watched long enough now and we feel that it's we, we we just feel it's really 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 important that um we start thinking aesthetically and start thinking about an actual art scene that brings more vitality into this period that is kind of against life in, in, in its very essence. It, it, it's, it's become stagnant and even just to create vital expressions is, is, is kind of uh, forbidden in this time. And I think it's much better to be aligned with that rather than um, looking to get into some kind of uh, fight. I, I think that would be a major mistake and it's not something that I'm, I'm interested in doing uh, yeah, at you're, all. You're, creating, you're not creating like those Chudjak uh, edits, you know the ones? 
you know, um, it's a, it's a, it's, oh, never mind, never mind, never mind. <laughs> you know um, me, for, uh, you know me, I'm not great with all this stuff. Uh, I'm not a great meme chap. Um, I totally dis, I disavow, no, I'm, well, well, never mind, never mind, never mind. Optics, optics, optics. Uh, anyways, Pharaoh, go ahead and Alexander Adams, do you anticipate any criticism? Uh, I, I believe, okay, if I have some mild criticism, uh, I think what Daniel Miller was doing was a heroic effort. Uh, he's a good friend of ours, but I do think the connotations at that time of saying like, this is the fraud Twitter gallery that, you know, and of course the hysteria in the British media, mm. uh, not to bring up old demons, but was incredible. Uh, but so yeah, Pharaoh, I mean, you know, you and Alexander, you're both on the technical side of organizing this. So uh, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think you're going to get canceled? You're going to dox? It's over. It's over. Or do you think that maybe <laughs> this time around, people are much more willing to, you know, when they actually look at the artwork, it's not going to be like, from what I can tell, and I can tell you right now, there's no like, a, there's not like a hint, hint, nod, nod, wink, wink references to a lot of the ephemera of the e right. Not to say that it's a bad thing. I mean, eventually, if sort of Overton window opens up a bit, you can have a bit more of a wink, wink, nod, nod. But from what I can tell, I mean, a lot of it's just pure artwork. It's just a lot of it is going back to uh, representation and realism. And of course, Ben going back to the vortices. And then Alexander Adams, of course, is one of my favorite living artists. Not not just because he's my friend, but, you know, I, I'm saying this as a painter myself. Oh. You know? So, yeah, go, go ahead, boys. Go ahead. Let, let me just jump in first. I, I think... The way that Daniel framed his show um, set himself up for the kind of press around it. And it's post the press that he had the issues that he did. And, and I think we're different in, in two ways. Firstly, as you, as kind of everyone's mentioned, the, 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 we haven't produced activist art. It's not, not intentionally. Um, what will the reaction be? I, I, I imagine mainly, um, I can imagine like smug ambivalence from, uh, I know the Guardian culture team. I don't think they would bother reviewing it. And I don't think they'd be in interested. But w where I think that we've got appeal is to um, people that are a little bit disaffected with the current landscape. You know, 10 years ago, okay, even 10 years ago, I felt, I felt, like, felt like the art scene was much more interesting and stuff was going on and it felt alive, but it feels constantly dead. I think especially post-COVID, the quality of ex um, exhibitions that are, are out there, certainly in, in England and London, uh, has massively declined. So th there is, I think, a, a hunger and a desire for something new and something interesting. And I think that's what we've got to, that's what we've fundamentally got to offer. Um, yeah. But... Yeah. I, I will say, I'll say while, while we're not producing this kind of activist stuff, um, going back to these principles again, the fact that we believe in ideas of beauty or, you know, we're talking about like vitality. These are words which disgust um, some of these people, you know, that they, ha they, they have like a physical reaction against it. And while the work itself is not positioned on a political axis necessarily. Um, I think that someone will look at Fenn's work, they will feel the raw masculine energy exuding from it. And um, 
you know, their soy bodies will not be able to take it. I think they'll sort of melt in in the show and have a negative reaction against it. So that, that's that's my thoughts. So it's not intentionally created to uh, annoy or to aggravate anyone. It's just we're just focusing on good work. But I think the fact that the work is good and some of the principles that we share behind it will trigger people. Yeah, before Alexander's take, um, I think that like one criticism I could have is that, and me and Fenn have discussed this in private and on our episode on Content Minded, is that, you know, I mean, I think because there's such a, a dearth of actual masculine representation within the work of art, and there's others like our good friend Harold has great mythological pieces, great, amazing painter, and, and friend mentioned literature, another shout out I will give is I implore everyone to go to our good friend Marty Phillips, uh, his account on Twitter, and in, in the pinned tweet, uh, you know, I'll throw it up, his novel Millennium just recently came out. It's an amazing work. It's, um, and I, I highly implore everyone to go and buy it. Uh, he really is a great writer. Uh, but one criticism I would say is that, like, I think a lot of people that talk about Fenn's work even derogatory, sort of like more of a criticism, like, you know, a, you could say it's like, you know, the effect soy critic, you know, that, that one meme of the, the soy jack. It's like, I love art crit, you know, that one. I heart art critic. Um, they say that Fed is like too overtly masculine. It's all full of like vitalism, power, blood, fury, blah, blah, blah. But I think that, you know, there is such a lack of, I, I think, healthy male representation within the space of the artwork that, you know, Fen coming out like with the sledgehammer of vitalism and, and masculinity and rippling muscles and, you know, very chiseled features, I think is almost called for. But then of course, like Ben, you know, you've done recently a, a piece of a female figure that you, you know, you had this challenge of trying to make it harmonious of a male and female figure. And, and even though the female figure in certain, you know, in, in certain ways can come off as like a little bit masculine. It's still like, there still is that grace there. I feel uh, a recent commission piece you did, but anyways, yeah, that you can address that after I wanted uh, Alexander to uh, talk about the potential criticism, having been an artist that has faced criticism from the media yourself, you know, so. Yeah. Um, well, as far as responses go, I think that um, probably you know, The Guardian and other places and The Independent and stuff, I think they're going to pass over it. I don't think they're going to mention it. I, I don't think it's in their favour to start because if you start um, talking about what we're doing, you have to explain, well, we're actually opposed to um, quota politics, you know, um, and uh, the over-regime programming of uh, public arts commissions and exhibitions and, you know, um, the fact that the Tate, uh, the National Gallery of Art here, exhibits, uh, you know, 50, uh, does uh, exhibitions which are sort of pretty much mandated 50% women and so forth. If they start explaining that, then um, it kind of uh, it kind of exposes how, how, what a terrible, deplorable situation the arts are in at the moment. And I think it just sort of exposes a lot of stuff that normal readers will read and think, well, yeah, actually, that is terrible. Yeah, people should be protesting against that. I think it's actually quite difficult for them to spin the regime as being... Um, as a, as upholding high quality and high standards and having anything to do with aesthetics at all. So I think it's something that they'll probably avoid. I think in deep in their hearts that they know that this is 
to do with gibbs it's to do with quotas it's to do with selecting certain artists not because of the quality of their work but because of other characteristics so uh, i think they'll probably avoid it as for being dots mine well you know my my name is public so um, um yeah well i hope it will sell a few books oh of course i mean the tate gallery has been corrupted for uh, decades now i mean <laughs> there's even old jonathan bowden lectures on it um Mm. The recent ones have been a disaster, by the way. I, m- I remember that one where they gave all four of them. I think it was before CVID. They gave, like, all four contestants, all four finish- uh, runners-up the-, the prize. And well, what, no, what, no, what, what happened? Well, yeah. what happened was they all they all decided they were going to go um they were all going to go sort of socialist on it. And, they were, and none of them was going to accept the prize individually, so they would share it all. So the, 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 the organizers had no pro- had no choice except to divide the prize between four artists and they're all terrible anyway and it was to protest brexit or something like some inanity yeah it's a symbolic thing yeah but I, I think we should move on to the actual um artworks themselves because there's a number of questions that uh we wanted to cover um in terms of culture I think the biggest question that we've always come up against would be how to create sort of like what Fen was alluding to an organic, well, counterculture is like a corrupted word, in my opinion. I think that's like a boomer truth regime type of thing, but how to create sort of a genuine, let's say revitalization of culture. I mean, if you're looking at, for example, the UK, I mean, the, the depth of history within the work of art that you can, you know, choose uh, the depth of, of, that knowledge base that's sort of become forgotten, uh, you know, from what I, from what I've been told by people that are like zoomers in the UK, uh, the way that they learn history as well has been corrupted, which feeds into their perception of arts and culture. I mean, you really, you really can't eat. I know it's like a cliche point, but you really can't express this, the monumental nature of British history, for example, or any history within Europe or even within North America, you really can't sort of create an aesthetic space that can honor that. And, and now it's like, it, it, you know, art representing culture and history and the sort of foundation of civilization. Now that's become like this globalized thing where it's like, you know, um, the UK is for everyone, Canada's for everyone, America's for everyone. And it's like this, you know, the artwork that, this civilization embodies this for everybody. And it's like, therefore it's for nobody. And it's, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just rambling right now, but if anyone, the, if anyone you have yeah, a lot of thoughts on this topic. That's, yeah. No, that's an extraordinarily good point. And it, it's something that I um, I think, again, is, is worth touching on, is, is that this overall sort of leveling of the art scene in general across British art, across European art, um, you, you know, even just to learn or have, you know, have an ability to say, uh, sculpt or carving stone or you know ha- having some ability to model in clay this is very 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 um counter to what the, the regime wants because of course if you learn an ability that let's say to sculpt or to work with stone or to work with bronze this is hierarchical as they call it so this immediately puts you outside of the realm of egalitarian not everyone can be involved in such art not everyone can create um, stone or carved stone because it, it requires a level of skill and study and of course that starts bringing in hierarchy and as soon as hierarchy starts to come into any element of the arts um, the regime doesn't wish to support that they don't wish to support someone who is going out there and saying look I'm 
I've, I've, I've learned some ability and now I'm actually going to start creating and I'm going to start bringing something that requires a level of skill. This is, um, you know, but, yeah, I, I've seen people in the art world call this sort of colonial, um, this is like a colonial thing, which I don't even know why they use that word, but they, 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 they throw this onto art or, or work that is made that has some kind of power to it. And I think it's important to understand that the, the egalitarian sort of philosophy that has been thrown onto the arts has worked as a very strong corrosive. The, you know, the, the ability across the board has gotten so bad now where people are almost incapable of actually making something. The majority of the art you see today is just sort of petty installation, found object art thrown together, put in a space with a political tagline message thrown on top of it. And that's what's, that's what's happening. But I think people need to look at it deeper and understand that this is a shotgun method by the regime. The shotgun method is that they have allowed anyone to participate, usually uh, politically minded individuals uh, to participate and then just sort of drown out any other kind of art. And then they elevate that across their institutions, across their art galleries, and they bring this extremely low end art. But it's really what people need to understand is that it's really just politics masquerading as art. And I think if there's one thing that, 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 that is important to be you know, conveyed to some degree in this movement is that we are attempting to go back to you know, drawing again, painting, sculpting, the ability to actually generate an image. I mean, we're not, we're not talking uh, hyper refined works here, but it's a start. It's a start where people can start uh, really coming together and actually creating again. As I said in my uh, manifesto, which I wrote a while ago now, it's, it's like the most revolutionary act is to actually make something in these times because so few are making things in these times. And that is, it, it, in itself is, it's not even, you don't even have to try and counter what's going on because that in itself is a spiritual counter to these times because people who wish to um, actually get round to making things again, it, you're already standing against the corruption and, and that's why I encourage everyone to be involved in, you know, start learning to draw or, or, or sculpting or, you know, do do something that, that, that you can actually express into a material and that can then be shared and you can begin getting into an aesthetic dialogue. You know, that's that's just something that, that, that came to, to my mind anyhow uh, with what was going on here. Well, I wanted Pharaoh's and Alex's take on, on this as well. And um, I will, like, I think maybe when we cross the hour mark, we will start um, taking guests on to, to give your little uh, thought or blurb or question. And you can also like, uh, I think there's questions also in the replies to this, but what I was going to say, um, I want everybody who's listening to this, if like, give me the fist if you've seen or raise your hand, if you've seen this. Uh, and, and listen, I'm a fan of, you know, I, I I'm a fan of certain contemporary art and I've defended certain intellectualized forms of art that need explanation. But did everyone see this viral tweet of the Keith Haring, the last Keith Haring piece, where it's like the, you know, he was he was dying of the Saloforums disease and everyone was like putting up this, like, uh, what's the art that made you cry? And it's like all cartoons and Marvel movie type of stuff. And like, I hate to say it, a lot of uh, millennials and Zoomers can only have an aesthetic experience if it's through this narrative of like hyper politicized artwork, and of course, there's like this bricklage of the mythology of the uh, 1980s and that certain disease. If you've seen this thing, it's like this uh, Keith Haring piece, and 
Yeah, you, yes, I've seen a few of them. But it seems that, like, what, what the, the way that the tweet was set up is that this is an abstract work. And the, like, I'm not a, I'm not a huge critic of Keith Haring. I think some of his pop art that he's, you know, graffiti pop art is quite interesting and good. But the way that it was set up is, like, this is the unfinished Keith Haring piece. Then the follow-up tweet had to explain by some, like, you know, some, like, MB Zoomer, uh, tw- you know, account where it's like, you know, they all have that kitschy form of, like, digital art that's made from Wacom tablets. It's like, then the second tweet explains the artwork that, oh, actually, this was Keith Haring, this sort of biography. This is another thing that Marty, Marty Phillips, my good friend, said. It's a sort of, like, biography, biography or bioization of the artwork where it's like the biography of who made it that's more important than the actual aesthetic image itself it's like it's got the connotation of both activism and also this tragic story it's like that's where that's what really gets the goat of uh, a lot of like millennials and zoomers that are posting screen caps from like adventure time and like yeah listen i used to like adventure time as well you know if you look very closely at my live streams i have an adventure time poster behind me so i shouldn't be talking mad smash but you know, yeah, that's like sort of like biographization of the artwork. Just, just quickly, Joe, something that I that comes to my mind when, when thinking about that is is that again, so much of this work and so much so much work today is rooted within this um, this principle that I, I talk about a lot, which is mental masturbation. Is that essentially all of this stuff feeds um, sort of a theoretical thing? It's not it's not an aesthetic sense. It's this artwork that feeds into oh yeah i like that because i can think about it and it's it's very deep and it's it's all very interesting and all this sort of nonsense but what you find is that it's it it, it doesn't give any more i i don't think people can feed off of something that is purely just something based in the theoretical do you know do you know where i'm going oh yes 100 percent, maybe uh if, if pharaoh and alexander could comment on this as well uh yeah uh, i totally agree with fen here you know this this idea where um it, it has to have this kind of super deep deep meaning behind it I, I i think there's a lot to be said for again just some of the kind of brutality of uh fen's work again you know this just kind of in your face uh raw power and emotion that it has to it and i and i think to a degree with some of uh Alex's work as well, where you know that there is a kind of a stark, a stark nature to it. You get an instant response. Going back to kind of your earlier point, though, uh, Geo, about you know what do we do? What do we need to do to cre- create art? My personal view is that the current training system for artists, certainly in the UK, has totally, totally failed. My, 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 I, I will be careful if. But with a doxing situation, but my sister uh, is currently studying fine art in a northern <laughs> northern university, and she was someone that went into university. She was, uh, you know, a, a very decent oil painter for for her age, uh, interested in sculpture, in, in sculpture, and um, they didn't even have a course for oil painting. All the time, she was kind of encouraged to. to um, do these kind of ridiculous art forms and um you know i, I think at first she was she felt very discouraged by it and I, and I wonder at a national level you know this must be happening how many how many artists are there that 
um, we, you know, we've we've failed uh, as a nation to get the most out of. You know, uh, I, I can't resist a stream without mentioning my uh, my man Ruskin here. Ruskin talks about the idea that within any generation there is a fixed number of uh, artists, and you will either use them uh, or, or lose them. And um, we continue to lose every generation uh, of artists. But what we're trying to do here today, again, is um, a starting point to hopefully to inspire, to um, get people to, to show a different reality for those people. And, and I think um, it has to exist outside of these existing university structures as they are right now. I'm not saying that uh, you, should, you shouldn't do art at university. You know, both Fen and uh, Alex went to very prestigious universities to do, to do that. But I think as they currently stand, even some of the kind of more quality ateliers are, are really under attack. So there, there, there has to be a counter narrative to this at the same time. So, oh yeah, I, I completely say I completely say yeah. Avoid universities and the universities that I went to, and I don't know about Fent because he's been at university more recently than me. But the one that I went to is now so political. It's so so controlled and it's directing artists to become artivists rather than artists. Um, it's, it's a terrible shame. So in one sense, we are driving away all our talented art students uh, and they should be looking to exhibitions like this and other exhibitions of, of dissident artists, or, you know, dissenting artists. They should be looking to what we're doing as opposed to what's going on in university, because although we're losing so many great artists, we're also, um, overproducing you know every year we're producing thousands and thousands of graduates in fine art who are basically only suited to do to be as patsies for the regime producing propaganda works producing sort of interactive works or installations or other works that are connected to um, the job of public arts venues which is to spread the regime propaganda and the virtues of um the establishment as they are at the now as they are at the moment and this <laughs> and they're completely dead weight that, you know, they'd be better off going into the civil service. And effectively, the public arts would become like a civil service for not only the managers and the administrators, but also for the artists who were just there as artivists. Oh, wow, that was wonderful to hear, Pharaoh and Alexander. You, you guys just absolutely nailed it. This is exactly what's going on. And I think it's, uh, again, to go back to this, this, this sort of loose collective that is now forming, is that indeed, this is an opportunity that we can hopefully grab the attention of such such individuals and you know try and guide them towards this this other group that's forming and i think you know we don't have to look that far back in history should we say where you know one one can only think back to the 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 french academic art that was overthrown um by um you know another art movement it was you know number of the artists connected to the impressionists um overthrew that movement because of the tight control that was going on within the salons and that was going on within the art schools and i think people need to understand that it is possible and that even just a small collective and just what we are now will in time build momentum especially as we can start meeting in real life and working together and you know it, it's something i've mentioned a number of times is i'm i'm, I'm starting starting to now um, talk closer with Stoat on this idea of bringing artists over and having them work with me in my atelier 
and I can begin uh, teaching and I can begin showing people how to actually make sculpture or how to be involved in the arts and how to guide. And I think we we all begin to stand in that role now where we can we can sort of pass on um, even some of the limited knowledge that we have um, to to others to, to help spread, you know, that 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 sort of that possibility and that life essence to say, look, you must still go on. And it's not the end and it's not an impossibility. I think a lot of people are very black pilled, um, you know, as, as Farrah was mentioning, uh, his, his sister um, and how many more uh, are just like his sister? How many other art students are out there who have been through uh, terrible art schools and have just felt defeated? They, they, they leave or, you know, the only option is, well, you either uh, tow the party line and push, push the kind of message we want or you simply will never get the funding that you that you would like to carry on your career. And I think for a lot of people that is a that is too daunting of a task. So you either submit or you just simply quit. And I think there, there has to be literally hundreds or thousands of people that are in that position. And I'm going to dream now and say that perhaps in 10 years from now or five years from now, we can start to think about having our own small institutions, even if it's just my atelier or Perhaps it's just uh, Stoats painting studio or, you know, all of us coming together and, and starting to, you know, work in close proximity to one another. This is then creating almost our own art schools. You know, you used to have painters guilds. You used to have sculptors guilds. You used to have groups of painters and sculptors who would pass on knowledge and would, um, you know, actually be involved in sort of uh, helping one another uh, with their abilities or their craft. This is the sort of thing that that I believe is going to be the the major sort of trend moving forward. It, as as more and more people don't wish to go to art school anymore, they're going to look to work for painters or sculptors and just learn in the process of doing. I think that's far more um, invigorating than, than than so much of the nonsense that's going on today in the art schools. Hundred percent. That that was a great discussion. I'm going to start bringing in speakers. But let, let's be clear on the rules, okay? I'm going to do two at a time. There's four requests, or, well, three requests. Um, you know the rules. This is going on YouTube, so no fed posting, no uh, swear words of a certain variety. This is not, okay, listen, this is not Night Owls, okay? This is not Night Owls. This is, <laughs> so don't, don't, don't disappoint me. But we're going to bring on first, uh, Gifts Ungiven and Vinlove, who've been very patient, and um, eventually Fishy Frenzy and uh, Culture Bar. But Fishy Frenzy, please be on your best behavior, I swear, please, God. And Spurgo Acolyte, who also has a content mind episode that was recently recorded, and uh, we're going to bring on hopefully as much people as possible. So please, um, if you've requested, give your one blurb or question. Yeah, so, well, let's see. Gifts given first. There you go. You've been waiting the most patiently, and then been loved, and we'll see. We'll cycle out all the rest. Like, uh, like a counterculture against the art world is inherently corrupt. The problem is, is the old guard trying to infiltrate the new guard, you know? Uh, sorry for the, like, cape slop, but, like, you know the Superior Spider-Man thing? Where, like, Doc Ock's, like, dying and he goes into Peter's body and he thinks he's going to be the good guy but he completely going at like the logical old way and he ruins everything that's kind of like what's happening in the modern world 
What you're seeing now is not a naturally generated counterculture, but rather what uh, guys who grew up like George Lucas have guys who think they're fighting fascism, they're punching up like that, trying to go into the modern world, which is far more complex in its uh, critiques, you know, concepts. Am I speaking right? Do you hear me? Yes, kind of. Yeah, yes, that's that's good. Yeah, but like, I don't, I don't feel like anything you see that's oh, the art world is bad. It's not natural. Like Banksy, for example. No one come. I think Harry Gold. Have you heard the Harry Gold show before? A really great piece about like how Banksy, or someone who's supposed to make all this action quake in her knees, really appeals to Russian oligarchies. For some weird reason. Like, yeah, it's... Yeah, it, it, I, 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 you go, sorry, you go. I was just going to add the um, um, shameless plug for um, my Artivism book, uh, where I've got a chapter on Banksy and how Banksy is essentially um, spreading um, basically the, the boomer ideals and boomer virtues, and he's uh, completely establishment. And, um, yeah, so I, I agree that he's... he's uh, far from challenging the norms. He's actually reinforcing the norms. Uh, and I like to plug my website, sitson.city. That is S-I-D-S-O-N.C-I-T-Y. Uh, just, just go back to your, your point earlier about um, the, the boomers' natural um, proclivity for certain things. I think there is an element to that. There, there is some debate around generational theory, you know, even within our little group, I'm sure that there's a lot of um, discussion. But I I think that certainly the people that are involved in this and who are hopefully listening um, don't have some of those issues baked into what they do. And I I think they have a different worldview. And I think certainly um, the people that I hang out with, mainly mainly millennials, um, are, you know, are keen for a for a bigger, more visionary, dare I say, almost revolutionary um, change in the in, in the art world. So, um, sorry, I, th- I, th- I think you are right. Oh, sorry. Hey, I, um... I, unfortunately, I removed Fishy Friends. Fishy Friends request again. So, give some giving. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for having me up, and um, that I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Uh, I remember a couple years ago. I uh, had this interview with um, uh, with with uh, with somebody about um, uh, art and kind of the state of things and how culture is really, really, really important. And you know, I I make you know political uh, slash cultural videos, and it just kind of like none none of my audience members understood the importance of of what I was saying when I would make a video on that topic on on art and culture. And then I remember after that interview, uh, Fen contacted me and he's like, hey, you know, where, where are the artists? And, uh, and kind of just wanted to like vent about like what he's kind of gone through. And um, at the time, I didn't really know what to say to him. And I actually didn't even know that there were other people who wanted to pursue um, making, I guess you could say, dissident art. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, he kind of introduced me to this whole space. So I have to thank him for that. But in any case... Um, I, I think something that, that he said that's really key and important is that 
it's it the hierarchical aspect of making the artwork is is very key to why someone like Fenn is is barred from from you know showing his work or, or being elevated in culture. Uh, I know for myself, I experienced something very similar, uh, and it was that you know when I went to art school, uh, being a classical painter, being very good. Uh, I, I, when I, you know, coming from a classical background, my art was not accepted. I, I was completely barred and actually told that my art form was was completely irrelevant. So uh, I just think that, that that's a really compelling and important aspect of the whole equation because art isn't just about the ideas. And, and of course, there's a spiritual aspect to it um, and their style, but, but the, the key thing of Western artists that, that set us apart from other people is that we are very skilled in our craft. And that does give you sort of the, um, uh, kind of, it, it, it says you're allowed to, to make a comment in culture because you have invested so much in getting so good. And I, I just think it's horrible that, that, that we've been barred from, you know, being a part of this whole thing, uh, and uh, since we've all earned it, I, I think we should have more of a say than anybody else. So I just thought that was, you know, an excellent point. Very key, very, very crucial to, to fixing things. All right. Um, see, see if I can get Fishy Frenzy back, but uh, Spirgo Accolade, you go ahead, my friend. Yes. Uh, first, I wanted to say this was a really wonderful space to listen to. It's uh, it's refreshing to hear that there are still artists alive among us and that they're you know, so dedicated to their craft. What I wanted to ask them, since we have them here, is just what sort of, I guess, direction they see their art or this art scene going into. Um, the way I see art, it's about the expressing of certain potentialities. So I'm just wondering like, what sort of potential they see uh, in the scene. I mean, that's, that's a huge question. I, I will not talk about myself, um, but I will maybe say for, for Fenn's work, I, I, you know, he mentioned his little atelier with um, maybe some assistants. I, I've Im imagined him spawning an entire uh, kind of revitalization of the kind of futurists. Uh, you know, one of the big issue, I think, with those turn of the century modernists, whether it's impressionists or... Uh, you know, vortices or whatever, is in their kind of sheer vitality in creation. Um, they never thought about the future and, and kind of cultivating that beyond um, an initial set of ideas. And so you have these kind of layer after layer, new movement after movement. And I think um, because we've had this um, period of time where we can kind of re reflect upon things, it's clear that we cannot build something that is just flash in the pan. It needs to be bigger. Um, and, and so while Fenn's work may on the surface have this, um, you know, not, not to the past, it, there is something very organic and, uh, living about it that will grow beyond, beyond that. And, and I very much hope the same for Alex's work as well, that maybe, uh, some budding artists would want to, go under his wing, so to speak, and, uh, you know, Absolutely. Start, something, start, start something there. So, yeah. And, and, I, and I would say also, you know, the, 
what something that we would like to do is um Fenn's talked about the atelier system, which is basically where young artists don't go into art school, but instead they go into the workshop of uh, an established master, as in like a, an experienced professional. And I would say absolutely. And for example, something that I do, not only is the drawing and the painting, but also printmaking. Um, pretty soon, I'm not, not going to say anything now, but if you go to our website, the website of the exhibition, um, what you can do is you can sign up there and you can get advanced news and you can also see there are going to be some, I think I can reveal there are going to be some prints that are going to be available for sale. So make sure you go and visit the exhibition website. And I would say also cultivating um, craft. Uh, Fenner's talked about the craft of carving stone and casting bronze. I would also talk about the craft of making lino cuts and lithographs and etchings because this is something that has a hierarchy of ability and of commitment and once you start to commit to learn the, the technique you also get involved in the tradition and you understand and appreciate the art more and I think that these are vital connections which are deliberately excluded, excluded from art schools at the moment so I think that this is something that yeah that young dedicated artists really need they need these mentor figures and I hope that maybe we can provide that either individually or maybe through a future art school. Oh, yes, definitely. I yeah. myself am a printmaker um, as well, people know. But, Ben, go ahead, because I wanted to yeah. go through all the questions. We have a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think going going back to um, Spurgler, I, I, I did a post yesterday because I was actually really interested about this idea of um, the zeitgeist. And I know a number of people... Um, some people don't like the, the the term. Some people agree or don't or don't agree with it. But I think what at least what I've tapped into intuitively within this period, and this was way before uh, coming online, is that I spent a lot of uh, well a great deal of my time sort of thinking and making sculpture and looking at the current art scene and the current culture scene. And my feeling was that if you were to have an art movement that was to actually uh, get traction in this period of sort of this sort of dead zone that we're in, um, it would be to express in its most full far, in, in its most full form, exuberance, a kind of unapologetic exuberance for life and, and for, for creation and for the making and for the for living a vital life and living in an energetic life. And even just to hold that flame and express its possibility in this time has been something that I felt to be uh, so important and something that I've attempted to uh, do within my own work. I, I don't write a huge amount about it, but I hope that my work, at least aesthetically, speaks to that sort of exuberance, that power, that glory. And I think it's, it's you know, certainly you see um, among a lot, lot of the youth today that are on Twitter and sort of more in, in our circles, they, 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 they're hungry for that unapologetic living. They're hungry for that, you know, we are here and we are actually uh, moving forward and we're taking space. And I think that's something that, you know, it's that sort of fire and that kind of expression that can, that can really um, heat an art movement or, or heat an art collective. Even if, even if not everyone is on board aesthetically as I am, you know, I, I look towards the, the futurists and the, the early modernists and art deco and that kind of explosive expression. But it's even if it's just a sort of a, a spiritual connection to that. Um, but 
but yeah, to, to round it off, I, I think, I think if you were to talk to the zeitgeist today, one of the major principles is to express vitality in this dead zone, even just to show that it's still there. Because I think a lot of people feel like it's gone. They say, well, it, it, it's gone. You know, it's like they, they, they feel they feel that just everything is dead or dying. But those principles are eternal, and that life energy is around all of us. It just has to be grabbed and expressed in the work. Amazing answer. So um, I, I think, well, let's go with um, Henry Oswald and culture, culture barber, who's been waiting a long time. But Henry Oswald, you had a, an insightful comment in the, um, in the replies. So um, yeah, quickly, I, I want to get through everybody, the eventually fishing frenzy and Matthew Kaipa and Kilpa and so forth. Uh, sure. Sorry, Matthew Kipta. I keep slurring my words, you know. But Henry, uh, go ahead, my friend. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you guys for hosting this. This is awesome. Um, I wanted to point out, you know, the, the whole talk of institutions. Um, I know that there is a art renewal center is what it's called. It's in America. I don't know if, what if they have anything like that in Europe, but... <clears throat> excuse me, it's, uh, it's an institution that is basically trying to um, promote realist art. Um, I know that Alex and Fenn have commented at length about um, a lot of our institutions today only promoting modern art or just completely uh, theoretical, you know, nonsense, um, and not actually teaching the craft itself, because it both is a craft as well as a theory behind it as well um but anyway institutions like art rural center you can go on there you can find uh living masters is what they're titled um and you can start studying under them so some of them are official ateliers some of them are just you know living masters that have their own studios and you can train under them that's what i currently do um been studying under a master painter for the past two years now and uh my question though for Fen, Alex, Pharaoh, all you guys, is how, once you get to that point of, you know, you reach that professional level, um, I'm a bit stumped on approaching the anonymity part of it, because many of us probably well know that the risk involved with, uh, you know, sort of expressing this vitality that Fen brings up, um, and, and trying to not be doxxed or not be uh, completely, uh, um, what's the word, just erased from the internet, uh, I guess I'll put it that way. Um, how, how would you go about that? How do you approach that? Um, and getting barred uh, from, you know, the, the, the collectors or anything like that? Should we, should we just go ahead and start our own, like, galleries or, or anything like that? So that's my question for you. That's a good question. And I know for a fact, I'm not going to blow his cover because he's a good friend of mine. But I know for a fact in this Twitter space listening right now is someone within the professional art world who I have great admiration and respect for. But I'm not going to blow up his spot. It's a small Anon account. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, answer, answer that, fellas. I mean, maybe Pharaoh and, uh, and, and Alexander and so forth. Uh, well, I, I'll step in and say, yeah. We, what we need to do is we need to make we need to make 
this counter elite, not a counterculture, but this counter elite high status so that people will want to commit. The problem is it's going to take a risk. You're going to have to go out on a limb to do it. You're going to have to put your name up. You're going to have to put your head above the parapet and you're going to face risks. But if you're an early adopter, if you're someone who steps up, if you're a gambler, if you take risks, you are going to get the rewards. You are going to get the attention. You are going to set a standard. You are going to be a pioneer. And I would say to people, um, try to be brave enough. Um, try to step up and do that. And I think the patronage and the critical support will come afterwards. It may be a bit bruising to start with, but I would say try and be brave. It's something that I've done. You know, I have a degree of bravery. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to pay off, but um, it's the only thing I can do because I feel like it's the truth and anything else would be living a lie. I, I feel the same yeah. way, by the way, but I, I do I, I do see that anonymity is going to be the way forward. I'm pro-anonymity, even though I am not an anon. I, uh, yeah. But I, I understand, like, early adopters. Are... Ben, go ahead, my friend. I, yeah, so something I'd like to say is, as, as, uh, uh, as an artist, as a sculptor who is not at all anonymous, uh, you know, um, I would say probably one of the most important things that you need to understand in this sphere is that spend your time reflecting on your life and the time that you have here now. Understand that you have this time now, you have this life. And I don't think, I, at least I don't think I could live with myself if I were on my deathbed and reflecting on this period now and thinking, I had the opportunity to do something, but I never actually did it. And I think more and more artists are beginning to feel that now and saying, look, we are in a position where we're going to have to step forward. Artists of the past have done this. We just have to look through history. Artists of the past have done this. They have been brave and stepped forward. But I think it is very important to understand that if you are going to step forward as an artist, don't get involved in petty politics. This is something that, 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 I've, that I've mentioned on numerous occasions. Um, people in, attempt to engage me in, in, in politics and I say, look, I'm not interested in having a political discussion because it's not, that is not where the fire is. I'm not, I'm not here to, to debate whether or not uh, so many you know, illegal immigrants or whatever are coming into my country or whatever. That's not the position that I'm interested in speaking on with my art. I'm also not interested in in making petty political art for uh, right or left. It, I, I'm here to speak about energy. I'm here to speak about the archetypes. And I speak, I'm, I'm here to, to have the, the cultural dialogue in this time. I think if you avoid the political and you just stick to your art, which is what any good artist should do, then then I the, there isn't a, a great deal of, um, there's not a great deal of, of, of things that can be done against you. You're an artist, for God's sake. You're allowed to make art. That's the thing. Can I just jump in on, on that, Fen? Because we're in a very unique situation where, um, you know, if you just if you just have a normal day job or whatever, you know, that they can destroy you, they can destroy your career, you know, um, everything, but they can never take the art away from you. And you've got to think, I always think of someone like uh, Ezra Pound. Um, is, is it right? He, he literally wrote his poetry on, like, the toilet paper of <laughs> of the prison he was in, you know, they can literally do their worst to you, but they can never take your art away from you. That's what you got to remember. 
that's a great message. But I think that we have some points in, uh, you know, maybe uh, contrary to your point about political art. Now, to give you a good counterexample, just to play devil's advocate, there was uh, this piece by a painter that I actually do respect, even though she's a, well, she's a lib. Uh, there's a Cecily uh, Brown piece where it's like this migrant ship and it's about it's supposed to be heroic. And, you know, France has to, France and Britain have, she's British. Uh, so it's like, you know, we have to let in all the migrants because of this. And, you know, anyways, that's, I think, the sort of hyper-politicization of the art world. But uh, let's let's go, um, I want to get to culture, uh, culture barbar and other people, but let's go actually, since he had his hand up, to Fishy Frenzy and Spurgler Acolyte, who has counterpoints, and please, gentlemen, be on your best behavior. Um, Fishy uh, Frenzy Fish has been a longtime follower and friend of mine, so let's go quickly, and then we'll go to Spurgler and then Culture Barber, and then Gifts and Given. Uh, I have my eye on you, Gifts, because you are a monologue artist, as I am a monologue artist. Uh, so, <laughs> and eventually, have to get to Matthew as well. So. Okay, hello. You said that I was here to give a counterpoint. I'm here to give my question. Is that all right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you wanted to counter uh, Fenn's point. But yeah, go ahead with your question as well. And we'll maybe okay. re re we'll retread back to the topic of yeah political. Okay, art. that's all perfectly fine. So I just remember the space was happening while listening to the, the Smiths, and that brings me straight on to my question. How important do you think art made by and for sensitive young men is? Incredibly important. Incredibly important. But go, go ahead. Maybe Spurgle, you can comment on this as well. But let's get the panel and then Spurgler, and then we'll go back around to newer people. Uh, I mean, from my perspective, I think it's uh, fundamental. You, you know, if you think about the, the Romantic movements, and most of the 19th century art movements, I, I would say, are from sensitive young men. You know, even a lot of the 18th century, sorry, it's got all kind of aesthetic philosophy behind it, was, a, was around this ability to... Uh, to to sense and to empathise with nature and uh, the world around us. You know that the word they used was sensibility. You know you may have heard of, heard of that from um, the, the Austen Sense and, Sense and Sensibility novel. But this idea of um, a man who has the ability to uh, interface with the world in a very different way, and and I think it, we've sort of lost that as as a concept. You know we kind of talk about the kind of yes sensitive young man, but I think this archetype of of the the man who is able to yeah interface with reality in a different way has been forgotten, and we need to bring it back. And again, part of our failure in the kind of um, today's art society is to find those men and to to use their uh, abilities um, for for good art. That's a great great point. Great point. Um... Let's go quickly to Spurgler Accolade. You had a question. You had a answer to the sensitive young men question, and then we'll get someone. We'll get Culture Lab, and then eventually Matthew. And uh, I'm I'll, I'm kind of I'm kind of dreading having to let on King Sam. Listen, I love King Sam Fish. He's my boy, uh, but I'm. We'll get. To, we'll see. We'll, when we cross that bridge, we'll see. But Spurgler Accolade. Then. <laughs> Yeah, I originally uh, raised my hand to give a counter example to Fen. So, is it all right if we do that, or could we not uh, jump around? So, yeah, much? let's go around. Let's go around. Yeah, let's okay. go back to that point. Okay. So, so what Fen was saying, I, I was very sympathetic um, to that perspective of the artist uh, being not necessarily above politics, but just outside of politics in some sense. 
But I do wonder if there is some sort of uh, you know alliance that can be had. Um, what I think of in my mind is something like the uh, the Augustan age of uh, Latin poetry, where there was a strong alliance between uh, politics and the artists, and uh, this allowed for a serious flourishing. And you know, a lot of classics people like to debate whether or not you know Virgil or someone was like a propagandist for uh, for Augustus. But in some sense, I don't even know if it matters from a purely artistic perspective because you at the very least had that sort of uh, reflourishing. So uh, I just wanted to kind of introduce that kind yeah. of example, you know? I, yeah, I, I would say this. Whenever it comes to uh, certain subjects in, in, or in the political realm and art, it always, it, it, I always find it, it depends what level at which you approach anything in life. If you can speak or you can make art that is truly fine art that is that resonates at a higher realm but can still be enjoyed by certain people on political spectrums or certain regime um players then then i don't i you know that that's fine that's that's absolutely not a problem what i'm saying is one must avoid the petty political one must avoid playing into the petty politics of today which will bring you down to the level of the current regime which is very pedestrian. It's very low level. It's very materialistic. It doesn't have any real spiritual fortitude to it. And I think that art speaks to something much higher. And if you can speak at that high level, then that's where you need to be with your art. And so do it. Um, that's a great point. Well, great point. The, the, the only thing I'll say is oh, if, you are going, if, if you are going down the political route, you know, you've got to be like Dante, and just uh, put all your political opponents in hell. Uh, that, that's the, that's the way. That's the way to do it. So there you go. There you go. Uh, in Minecraft, if we don't mean anything. We mean uh, the politically through uh, you know through through legislation and so forth. Uh, we don't mean anything by this. You know, it's well, he, he, he 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 just depicted them in hell. In, right. it, like it, in a in an aesthetic way is what I'm trying to say. You know, it was it's 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 both a like a it's funny and it's a great work of art as well. You know, it, like um, Inferno doesn't feel political at all, but but don't it is a it is quite a political work in many ways. I think so, especially in the context of um of, of Renaissance Italy as well. Like the... yes, exactly. Good girls and the Ghibellines. Yeah, yeah. Um. So culture barbar. You've been waiting patiently. Then we will get to yeah. Matthew and then gifts and given. I know gifts. I know. Listen, we will have a special. We're going to give gifts the the, the microphone uh, at the last rung because I know she's just dying to talk. But culture barber, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing great, man. Uh, my uh, yeah, my point is uh, earlier this like half a year ago, me and my partner in crime had a art one day art exhibition in Oslo, Norway. Uh, with uh, some reactionary, some half not reactionaries, uh, and it went great. Uh, we invited Fen, but the budget wouldn't couldn't cut it. Um, but I have been spending a lot of time thinking about the the the, the way we should go with the arts, and I seen the. Um, Oh, the IM7076 has the fund or whatever. Uh, uh, and things like this. And uh, my 
observation after having I studied art in high school, uh, the Norwegian equivalent, and uh, later just spurred out on the everything art history. And uh, I have my observation is how uh, much the uh, smaller groups, like as a defined group, how much uh, power you have uh, over the future of art history. See the 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 Bruck uh, uh, Blaunreiter uh, created the uh, expressionism, the impressionism, the all of these like wrenches in the system of the art establishment, and uh, all these groups had in common they went outside the system, which is uh, what we are already doing. And I'm just happy to see so much things happening and this space is like also an important part of all of this it's just yeah want to thank everyone um, as well I, for just i would 100 agree with you and uh, remember the expressionists were following the groundwork done by edward monk so yeah led by norwegians always always the norwegians in the front <laughs> That's yeah. Well, Edvard Munch, uh, as we discussed before, Alex is one of my favorite uh, artists. But let's go to Matthew finally, and I think we have one more speaker, uh, Gerald, and then well, actually, we'll go Matthew, then Gibson, Given, then Gerald. So yes, thank you. Good afternoon, Geo, and uh, good evening to our uh, hosts who may be in the UK and Europe. Uh, first of all, Geo, thank you for posting Marty's thread i uh, wasn't aware he was back on twitter he was one of my favorite accounts a couple years ago and that oh, that yeah. story collection looks great so thanks for reconnecting us but um my question is off of something fen said which is he mentioned hierarchy and that the mere act of studying and beginning to master a form or multiple forms is hierarchical and is a challenge to the prevailing system and you know in the uh middle ages there's this story that when the crossbow was developed it was like a huge problem for the knights because you know a knight or his uh armored sergeant had to train like their entire life to master that form of warfare and it was like a fortune to arm and armor them and then you had this weapon that you know, it didn't even require the strength and training of a longbow because it was mechanically assisted. You could get like a peasant levy or a freeman levy in like six hours in an afternoon to stand in a mass and shoot these bolts. And the knightly orders started complaining like, hey, this is going to undo our whole society. And I, I don't know if that's true, but it's one of these great kind of, it may be a myth, but it's a great image from history. And so my question uh, that any of our budding masters can answer is, uh, do you think that in addition to the, the philosophical egalitarianism that is probably your main challenge right now, that the mass proliferation of computer design and, and uh, computerized tools for, I guess this would be more for, for designers and, and drawers and painters, less so than sculptors. But uh, is that another challenge that you guys are having to overcome, that there's this sort of leveling tool that um, is, is almost like a disincentive to traditional mastery in the forms of drawing, painting, perhaps sculpture? Do you find anything uh, frustrating about that? Well, I have a little chapter in my book where I 
bash digital art, but uh, I, I think that in order to do even good digital art, you have to sort of go to the traditional skills of drawing as the foundation of the artwork. I mean, a lot of these illustrators, they don't have that foundation. I mean, someone, for example, I know he was in the chat, but he'll probably be listening to this later. Our good friend Reagan Lodge is a, is a digital, you know, uses digital medium and is a serial illustrator and artist, a comic artist, but he also has a very good foundation in a traditional arts skill. But any other, anyone else in the panel want to answer that? Maybe uh, then we'll get to Gibson Given. We'll finally get to um, Gerald. Uh, and please remember that this is going on YouTube. So, you know, all the optics uh, considerations and so forth. It's not, yeah. Whoever wanted to answer that question. You know what? Like, yes, you want to answer that question as well? Or, uh, yeah. Um, actually, uh, no, because... I can, I can answer it. Uh, if, if, if you'd like, I can, I can address the uh, digital thing. Yeah. Um, uh, because I've because I've been well, I've done a few posts and threads about AI driven art, um, especially just recently AI driven sculpture, um, which which I did a post on it, a small thread on it. I think Geo, you saw that. It was a bit of a laugh. Um, oh, yeah. But um, no, I I I don't see it as a major problem. I think a lot of people um, are constantly getting very upset with AI and how it's going to. Um, you know, somehow, I don't know, take take away from art. I, I think one must must see AI as a tool for the mass and for the mass mind. And that is, it, it, it's a plaything for them and it shall feed them and it will keep them busy with yet another trinket and toy. And I don't really consider that to be high level art that they're then creating because one has to understand that art at its most, you know, basic essence is the vision of the artist. So you can have an AI generate some images, but it, it doesn't have the curatorship of the vision of the artist behind it to actually shape it into an image that has any worth, that has a certain play or composition that brings a power to that, to, to that artwork in general. Um, I also think digital art, let's say, just some kind of JPEG or, or whatever that you generate on a computer it doesn't have the same um, aspect of, of you know something that has been painted that, that that sits in the real world that has been that has been uh, labored over by a painter or a draftsman um, or, or or any of this sort of stuff. So I I think it's misdirected to be worried about AI. I know there's a lot of people who are worried about it, but I think it's it's just yet another tool. It will be something similar to a kind kind of Photoshop in the end. Uh, people will use it to generate basic images. I've seen a lot of posts about, oh my God, have you seen AI? It's, it's, it's going to put uh, graphic designers out of business. And then I look at these threads, which are kind of normie sphere uh, threads, and they get loads of traction. And then I have a look at the actual uh, graphic design. And I just think, well, yeah, but this is, this is for the mass. And I'm not really that bothered about what the mass thinks. The mass and their aesthetic taste is just, it's, it, it's not interesting for me. And if it, if it fixes a few of their problems, then so be it. But it, it, it's not it's not fine art, and it will never uh, venture into that realm. Um, in as far as I can see, certainly the establishment regime establishment will probably start allowing all kinds of grotesque um, AI driven art to to you know reach some kind of level. But let's be honest, it it will all eventually just kind of merge into one another and be a kind of soup of of nonsense. So I'm not worried at all. No, um. 
before we get to Gerald and then uh, lastly from Henry, uh, gifts you've been dying to go. So this is your opportunity to shine, my good friend. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, Fen, that was uh, an excellent point. And actually that kind of rolls into, into my point. Um, uh, you guys, uh, Spurgler uh, and Fen, you guys were uh, discussing how politics ties in into the into the work of art or, you know, the artist's involvement in politics and how that plays into things. Um, I do kind of wonder, though, um, in a way, uh, if, if it's kind of unavoidable, because by virtue of what we are, we're, you know, European, people of European descent. Um, when you're making art, I feel like the, the, the most important thing so that it doesn't end up just being entertainment uh, is that it's for the Volk, for, for the people. Um, so, you know, when you're, when you're uh, channeling those archetypes and, uh, and, and you're diving into the, the collective unconscious, you're really tapping into the tree, so to speak, that is your people. And it kind of all stems from that. And so I guess I'm, what I'm sort of putting out there is that uh, it very well could be the case that it's political by, by virtue of us being who we are. Because if, if you take into consideration the situation we find ourselves in, especially as a white male, uh, you know, you guys are very under attack and our people as a whole are, are very much under attack. So I guess, do, do you see that, you know, one, if you're making art, you know, it's kind of entertainment if it's, if it's not really about your people, but then simultaneously by, by virtue of making it about your people, it kind of becomes political as a result, do you think that that's correct? Because that's kind of how I see it. Gio, do you want to go or shall I go? Oh, you go. Yeah, I, you know, I think this is an interesting discussion. I find that generally uh, myself uh, as a, as a Brit, as a European, I'm drawn to a certain aesthetic, uh, spiritually, naturally. And so that certain aesthetic and that certain response to art that comes through me and finds itself in it, you know, in a, in a manifestation in a piece of sculpture or, you know, a piece of work that, that resonates with myself. And obviously other people uh, like me uh, or similarly to me. Um, but I'm not, I can't say that I'm in a position where I'm actively thinking about that I'm making work that is white European. That doesn't dwell in my, in my, gross uh sort of conscious mind that's that, that that that's not a thought that i carry with me because art is based oh, within so, so, art, art is based within an intuitive response so i'm i'm simply um working on that level um it certainly appears that my work obviously speaks to other british people it speaks to other european descent people um but not just them i mean it also speaks to others um naturally what i have noticed is that certainly i've been uh, not allowed into uh, certain circles um because happen to be that my demographic doesn't fit the current trend uh, as a white straight male um who enjoys a certain type of masculine art or, or a certain type of uh, masculine being shall we say um the, the the yes of course the regime and the current standard and their trends are very much stacked against us um, but I think that's all the, all the more reason to start our own uh, our own movements and our own groups uh, that celebrates the stuff that we like, um, be that a, a, a Volkish type of art or be that a sort of art that speaks to 
uh, other people, what, you know, what, what one must understand that whatever the artist is doing, he's in a dialogue with his viewers as well. He's making this work and he's finding a, a viewership that that work resonates with. And of course, there is then that back and forth because there is a feeding from the group to the artist and then from the artist to the group or to the collective or to the people. So it's, it's something that is constantly back and forth that's going on. And of course, everything that I take inspiration from happens to be um, European art movements. I mean, this is just, yeah, this is just how it is. But I, I don't hold a conscious thought of um, anything related to, am I doing it for a certain absolute demographic or anything like that? It, it, that would get in the way of my intuitive response to art. Well, I had an idea that um, maybe a, a content-minded episode could be Fen, uh, you, Fen, and uh, you, Spirgler Acolyte, because me and Spirgler, we talked about actually the, the death of sculpture in one section of our talk, but um, that's a future idea. Uh, I know uh, Gifts is set to, I know she's, it's been a while since Gifts has come on the pod, but we'll see what happens. But let's go to Gerald, and then finally Henry to close us out. Um, and like I say, uh, I, I just want to say before you go, Gerald, uh, this has been a great space. Um, I love all the people involved. Um, a lot of great listeners that have followed uh, all of us throughout the years I've seen in the, in the, uh, in the audience. And this will be available on YouTube probably by next week when I clean it up a little bit from um, various infractions. So, um, Gerald, uh, take us away, my friend, and then Henry. Are you there? Uh, I, I can jump in if, if he's gone. Yeah, let's go Henry first and then Gerald if he's having uh, speaker issues. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, th thanks again uh, for, for hosting this. Um, it, I'm really excited uh, that we're able to, to do something like this, and I'm kind of inspired, really, because uh, I hope to... After all this, I hope that I can maybe talk with a few of you guys individually here and there, and we could probably start and uh, sparking some ideas and, and sharing stuff like that. So, but for the question, um, I wanted to get Finn, maybe Alex's Pharaoh Geo, if you want to chime in here too about with with marketing. Um, now I know that with the fine art world, really the artist doesn't market any of their work; they just you know give it to the gallery. The gallery does all the the handiwork for them and they, they find the buyers. But if we were to do some kind of like art movement, I'm thinking you, you want to push that, that message out. You want to push a certain uh, uh, aesthetic maybe perhaps, or, or an idea or, you know, if, if we want to have some kind of counter culture, if you will, for lack of a better term from the right, when it comes to, you know, producing great art, um, how do we how do we push that? How do we start getting this idea out with with other people and and people that aren't necessarily inclined with uh, with the art world? And um, you know, one idea that I've had was just pushing uh, TikToks. I I don't like TikTok. I I, I don't have it myself. But um, you know, if if you want to try to get that that idea out, or alternatively. Is it, you know, um, I know fine art is, is a bit more of an elitist thing. Um, do we not even pay attention to that at all? Do we, do we keep this mostly to the, the higher echelons of people that are, that actually would care about fine art? 
I'll leave it to you guys. If well, you I, build yeah, it, I, they will come. Yeah, you go ahead and build your build. Yeah, build and they will come. Um, I I do I do shorts on my YouTube, but uh, I think that nowadays the artist though is almost forced to become like a self marketer. But anyways, if if Fender Pharaoh Rallis wanted to jump in, I can say something. Uh, I don't know what the other guy, other guys are doing. Uh, Alex, do you want to say oh, something? Sorry, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I, w- I will say something. Yeah. So I think we've got a problem in, in that um, a lot of commercial galleries they don't see they don't see the potential of this because they're not thinking in the way we're thinking. So a lot of commercial galleries are not going to take the, take us up in the way that they would have done twenty years ago or if we were in a less political situation. That's um, one of the reasons why we're having to do things on our own. That's why we're having to set up this exhibition and how. This is also why we're trying to do things like um, sell prints uh, and sell drawings so that we've got entry-level works for If you want to support an artist, you can buy a poster, you can buy a catalogue, you could buy a, you know, some, a graphic work, a drawing, a print on paper. So all of those things are affordable and they're within the reach of most people. And I think that that's one of the reasons, that's one of the, how you would build up an audience and you would make a direct connection by offering that sort of access that becoming a collector taking a stake in an artist early on and you would encourage people to do that and so that they can obviously they would be buying for themselves and they would be buying because they love the artwork but there's also that excitement of you know putting on a little bit of money on an artist a little bit early because you think ah, you know this might turn out to be a good investment but we want people buying art because they're excited and because they believe in the art and because they want to support the artist the investment side comes later if enough people get excited and get interested and engage, then yes, the value of the work goes up. That's a great point. Um, so, uh, Gerald, are, are you there? Uh, can you see yeah, you can you hear me now? Oh yeah, uh, there you go. Perfect. Sorry Beautiful. Uh, so, really nice one. Uh, first of all, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I'm unfortunately I can't hop the pond to the show, but I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, I just wanted to comment on something I said earlier. Uh, someone had mentioned about the, the sensitive young artist, which is just a, it's a cliche that I think we have to avoid because, you know, like smoking cigarettes and reading Baudelaire, it's like all of these kind of prior conceptions of what a contemporary artist should be, I don't think apply anymore because the whole system's become so, it's all, as you all know, it's academic, it's boring, it's dry. Um, I think we need to emphasize more that, uh, you know, wherever you are now, like you have to speak from that, you know, like finding this sort of, um, trying to find just a scene to belong to of people who kind of act like you and think like you, that's, that's fine, but that doesn't necessarily produce great art. Um, yeah, I guess it's called, I'll delete what I wanted to say. That is a good point. That is a good counterpoint. If anyone wants to uh, comment on that, I think that, well, I mean, the sensitive young man nowadays is probably listening to Nightcore, uh, <laughs> watching a nice anime, um, watching Lane. I pre- I prefer Lane. I prefer the manga. Sure. Um, but yeah, but go, but, sorry, but go ahead. that stuff, it's like, you know, we're talking about anime from the 90s, anime from the early 2000s. You know, it's it's there needs to be something grounded in the here and now. This is one of the reasons I like uh, Ben's work so much is because it's, there's the spirit of vorticism, but he's doing his own thing. 
um, you know, that goes for all, all the artists. You're all doing wonderful work. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, if anyone wants to take that on, um, then we will wrap up the space. And, and just a reminder, everyone, this will be available on YouTube eventually, perhaps next week. And tomorrow will be the Content Minds episode I'm dropping with Alexander Adams. We actually get into his experience in uh, the art world nerd school. But if anyone wants to have any comments, even uh, Matthew or Gifts or Spurgler Acolyte, um, yeah, and then we'll we'll wrap this up. Because we're wrapping up because it's, it's quite late in the UK here. It's getting late, so... Well, um, I just wanted to say thanks to everybody involved in this. It's extremely encouraging. And I think that that's what my original statement coming into this kind of was, is that, you know, um, for me, this has been a really sad uh, experience being an artist in the world. And, you know, I, I haven't found anybody uh, else who has had that experience until now. And to, to also see that, you know, a uh, coalition of artists is, is forming uh, to, to mitigate and fix this problem is extremely encouraging. So, um, yeah, I just want to thank you guys for, for coming together and actually doing something because that's the other thing is that so many people like to talk online. Lots of talking, lots of critiquing, but not enough doing. So, yeah, thanks to everybody involved in this. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a great show. Yes. Great, great point. Oh, sorry. Okay, Actually. Go ahead, go ahead. You know, great, great, great point. And just a last thing that I would um, just uh, as, as we start rounding off um, and I'll give everyone else final speech on this. But I just uh, what I would like people to hold in their mind and in their thoughts is that when you're in the present moment, when you're in this period that we're in now, we don't understand the trajectory of history that is ahead of us. But I think to hold in your minds now is that this small collective this small group is how every single art movement started in the past. It was a few people coming together. It was a poet. It was a thinker. It was a philosopher. It was a painter. It was some guy who maybe did a bit of sculpture or whatever. It's these moments now. Under, we can't see it now because history is far ahead of us. But it's these moments now that people need to hold in your mind. It takes a few people. It takes a few people to make the first steps. And from that, things can really start moving forward, but it's just gonna take the first steps and that's what we're attempting to do in the most humble of ways. But I've got full belief in this, I'm fully invested. I've got full belief in this going forward and I think it has to happen. We're at, the, we're at a great position now and a great period to actually make something happen. This is the time, this is the time to get something going. So I want people just to hold in their minds, that history is ahead of us, but what we're doing now is we're planting seeds. This is the beginning. That was well great. Said. And, um, yeah. The Alex, and then um, whoever wants to speak to close us out, um, Henry and Matthew, and yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, thank you for having us on. It's been a fantastic discussion. Um, it's been hard work uh, organizing this exhibition, but uh, we think it's going to uh, cause a splash. Um, if anyone wants to find out more about the exhibition, even if they can't make the exhibition themselves, they'll be able to see some images, get information, and uh, get some uh, offers on buying art at the-exhibition.co.uk. And it's also in the uh, Titantron 
along with all the finishing moves. Uh, <laughs> it's in the Titan uh, the pin tweet and Alexander Adams is a bio as well. Go and follow all of these gentlemen and, and lady, although I don't know if Gibson given is a lady, but what? No, I'm kidding. Just I joke. I joke. I joke. Um, Matthew and then, <laughs> and then Henry. Uh, the space was very successfully run and I was not aware of the expedition until this, uh, ex- exhibition until this space. We can mount expeditions later. And I also wasn't uh, familiar with uh, all of the artists featured. So the space was very successful from that standpoint. And thank you for fielding my question. Thank you, my friend. And uh, finally, Henry, unless Spirgler Accolade has something to say, Henry, play us off, my friend. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, really uh, appreciative of the space. Um, I, I really do hope um, I can network with a couple of you guys out there. Um, I'm pretty serious about my work. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm currently in training, so I haven't really been posting anything. Um, although I'm, I'm more than willing to share, you know, works, ideas. I love critiques. You know, it's all about trying to pursue that, that excellence. So, um, and, you know, hold ourselves to a pretty high standard. Um, so yeah, and I've got, I, I like to think I've, uh, I got lots of um, good resources I could point out to um, other fellow artists and stuff. So, uh, yeah, reach out. Beautiful. Unless a Spriggler Accolade has anything to say, do Spriggler Okay, there you go. Uh, thank you all. All the information's been there. Uh, like I say, will be available on my YouTube channel, Janet Productions. Go and subscribe to that. Go and get the information on the exhibition. It's in... Alexander's pin tweet. It's up here on the Titan Tron. This has been a great space. And tomorrow will be the content minded with Alexander Adams. Uh, all of us are working on artwork. I have to get back to, you know, my artwork, but of course I'm writing my book currently. Hopefully it'll be out by next year. Uh, Spurger Acolyte as well has an amazing content minded episode. And uh, thank you all for joining us. Um, a lot of you have been my friends over the years and such great people, great artists that I've met on Twitter and so forth. And uh, thank you all. God, as I always say at the end of every podcast, God bless. Goodbye to Too Sweet doing the NWO, uh, the Too Sweet. So thank you very much. God bless.